the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get it on. We're back for the second hour of this special edition of the Restaurant Show, a holiday edition. If you're just now joining me, check out the podcast. I have got... Mike McGrath, John Michael McGrath, naval aviator shot down over North Vietnam. This is the 30th year in a row that I've had him. He wrote a book called Prisoner of War, Six Years in Hanoi. We've got George Colclaw, Colonel, Infantry, Army, retired. He's joining us. We've got Nelson DeMille. One of my favorite authors, and by the way, Mike McGrath, you said that your wife Marlene loves to read Nelson DeMille books, and we've also got Jack Billups. Jack Billups was a grunt in the, that means a light weapons infantryman, in the 1st Cavalry Division in Vietnam, and uh, he has two books out called My Vietnam, A Gift to My Daughter, and a book about Christian's walk, Christian's faith. It is a, it's a, it's a modern day adaptation of John Bunyan's 1678 book, Pilgrim's Progress. Um, you know what, Cole Claw? I'm wondering, you know, I've even got two dining guides that sold out here in Colorado Springs. Where's your book? What happened to you? Why don't you have a book out? <laughs> I'm too busy reading uh, the good books by Jack, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find Mike, Mike and uh, Nelson's uh, book also uh, uh, this afternoon. But uh, I, I would. I, I know it's it's not for me to ask questions, but Mike, did you know a guy named Dick Havocan who was in the Naval Academy about the same time you were? I think. What was that name again? Uh, did, Richard Havocan. No, I didn't know him. But but I will his tell you. His call sign was his call sign was ramp because he kept hitting the ramp. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you though, Nelson DeMille, you have. A friend who has since passed away that, Mike, you were in prison with in Vietnam, Jerry Coffey. Nelson, how do you know Jerry Coffey? Oh, you know, we were looking for a speaker once, and I can't remember what the organization was, but somebody recommended Jerry Coffey, who wrote, I believe was called Hanoi Moon. Do you guys, I mean, Mike, do you know him? I mean... (laughs) Mike is, yeah, you're nodding yes, Mike. (laughs) Well, Jerry is a good friend of mine. Uh, He recently passed away. Just as an aside, you might not know, he's the pilot that flew over Cuba in 1961 and photographed the the Soviet missiles, and that his photographs were presented to Kennedy as proof that uh, the Soviets were there. So Jerry Coffey was that pilot. Yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. He's really a great guy. We, I think he lived out in Hawaii most of the time. Yeah. So and I'm on you know the west the east coast, so we didn't get a chance to see each other much, but we kept in touch over the years. And he was he was he was quite an inspirational speaker. We got to take a break. That's the inter- we're, gonna, we're done with the opening segment, but we're going to come back. Let me just give you some numbers, folks. Seven, you know, we are a country of 300, 325. Nobody knows how many people are in this country. There's 20 million veterans. Seven million served during the Vietnam conflict. 2.7 million served in country. And, of course, 58,000 of them didn't return. And I've got four that were in country. 
Mike, George, Nelson, and Jack. And we're going to take a break. We're playing Christmas carols for our Christmas edition. Maybe we're going to talk to Mike McGrath about what happens when you try to sing Christmas carols in the Hanoi Hilton. We'll do that when we come back on the restaurant show. After the hour, we are back on the restaurant show, our special holiday edition, and uh, uh, we're playing Christmas carols for our bumper music. We're going to talk to Mike McGrath, prisoner of war in Vietnam for six years when they decided to sing Christmas carols. But uh, you know what I was noticing? Uh, George Colclaw, retired colonel, uh, United States Army Infantry, and I called him Colclaw uh, because I don't forget, we went through basic combat training in infantry school, advanced infantry training together. So I have a little bit different relationship but um i'm just gonna for our listeners a little trivia question um you know the only people that can call a colonel by his last name hey colclaw an 06 colonel who are the only people that can call you by your last name george Oh sevens. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say old friends. <laughs> <laughs> old oh sevens, oh eights. That's a that's a brigadier general. That's a major general. Um, all right. So Mike, um, what year was it? Um, uh, Ho Chi Minh. You had been tortured m- mercilessly, and um, and he dies, and Christmas came up. Take the listeners through that story. Well. Uh, well, Ho Chi Minh was really a, a, a hardline communist, and just a and up, up until he yeah. died in September second, nineteen sixty nine, and uh, suddenly uh, they weren't torturing us anymore. They quit. They changed their policy. They were in peace talks in Paris, and they stopped torturing us. Well, we were getting pretty feisty about nineteen seventy, and Christmas came nineteen seventy. We were all in the Hanoi Hilton. It was. Uh, there were seven big rooms with 50 people in it. There was 350 pilots shot down, captured up there. And one of the one of the rooms, they got kind of feisty. And this Christmas, so they started singing a Christmas song. And then the next door, the next room said, well, we can sing like that. So they started singing God Bless America. And then the next room started, well, they started singing. They were going to go higher and louder. Well, you got 50 people singing in, uh, you know, God Bless America. And the Vietnamese were screaming in the doors and saying, stop, stop, stop. And, and each room got louder and louder. And then about 15 minutes later, the doors swung open and combat troops came in with their leggings laced up over their shoes. You know, that's white mm-hmm. leggings. Mm-hmm. They had the chin straps off their helmets underneath their chins. And they had fixed bayonets. They came charging in our rooms with fixed bayonets. They lined us up against the wall. I had a bare stomach. My shirt was off. And I had a Vietnamese soldier with a bayonet three inches from my stomach against the wall. And I had my hands up. And this guy looked at me like, I'm going to run you right through. It was scary. Mm. But I tell you, Mike... It gave a whole new seri- uh, meaning to Silent <laughs> Night. I kidding. Im- it was air the, that you know three hundred and fifty pilots suddenly went silent. There wasn't a peep in that prison. So uh, that's a, that's a that is a Christmas I will always remember as having a bayonet pointed at my stomach. 
You know, Mike, I remember, I remember also, uh, you talked about, uh, as the peace talks progressed and you got into barracks with 50 guys, but you had been in cells. Matter of fact, you spent an awful lot of time in solitary confinement. But one of the things that Admiral Stockdale, the highest ranking officer said that, you know what, when you go in the army, they teach you name, rank, and serial number. Well, that's fine until you go through the torture that you guys went through. And he said, we're going to return with honor. Right. And we are going to take every single person with us. But when you're in solitary confinement, when you're in a cell with four people, tell the listeners how you communicated so that when somebody else came into prison, you were able to get their name, put them into the queue, and know that they were there. Yeah, basically, you're talking about communication. That was our lifeline. And luckily, uh, Smitty Harris in uh, 1965 brought in the TAP Code. He wrote a book on it called TAP Code, mm-hmm. which is recently out this year, <clears throat> and uh, in which he, uh, he taught the first guys in 1965 the TAP Code. And here's the TAP Code. And if your listeners can hear that tap, you put somebody on the other side of the wall... You can tap rapidly, uh, just like the kids text today. They can do it rapidly. Mm-hmm. We could communicate through the walls using the tap code, and uh, it's now taught but, to but, every but, survival but, school. But you didn't do it with words. You did it with letters of the alphabet. Letters you can spell. Five across, five down. Take the well, listeners. Well, it goes rapidly. With the, <clears throat> we we uh, organize the alphabet in five groups of five, lead out the letter K. Mm-hmm. So it would be A, B, C, D, E, the first group. F-G-H-I-J, second group, L-M-N-O-P, Q-R-S-T-U, V-W-X-Y-Z. So here's my name and tap code. M-M. That's mm-hmm. me memorized initials. Mike McGrath. Here's the letter T. It's just we, T was for the, T-T was for that, Y-D is yesterday, T-M is tomorrow. We were topic, and we could uh, talk very rapidly mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and very effectively, and that's how we stayed organized was communication. Well, and we're coming up on a break, but George and Jack and Nelson, I think you'll find this fascinating. Admiral Stockdale said that we are going to memorize every single person in alphabetical order in the Hanoi Hilton so that to this day Mike McGrath go ahead well I had 350 names on my memory list there was Will Abbott there was Joe Abbott there was Bob Abbott Alvarez Atterbury Austin Bagley Bailey Bar Barnett I could run through 35 groups of 10 350 total names I would do that maybe 10 times a day if I got a new name, I slipped it in like a computer. Mm-hmm. I would say it 15, 20, 30 times until it was in my brain, and then I would continue. So uh, we, 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 and then intelligence, Army, Navy, and Air Force intelligence co- collaborated all of these names, and we brought home every single person, dead or alive. All right, 20 minutes after the hour, we've got to take a break. We're going to get back to Jack and Nelson and George and Mike in just a moment. I'm Mike Boyle, special Christmas holiday edition of The Restaurant Show. All right, 
24 minutes after the hour, we are back on a special edition of the Restaurant Show. I've got Navy Aviator, Naval Aviator Mike McGrath with me. He's done this show with me for 30 years. But I asked three Army guys, Nelson DeMille, famous author, George Colclaw, retired colonel, and Jack Billups, who was a grunt in Vietnam, to join me for the show. And, Mike, during that break, you were saying that for your six years in captivity, these guys might have been lucky. What might they have had in common with you? Well, your three guests, uh, George, Nelson, and Jack, you don't know it, but you might have been my roommate because all of the Army guys captured, lucky enough to live through capture, in South Vietnam, they were all brought up to Hanoi. At the end of the war, they were all in Hanoi, and they were released with me in Operation Homecoming uh, in February, March, nineteen seventy-three. So it was the it, the the, um, the Vietnamese quickly moved people out of the any camp that we could capture. Well, and that goes back to an army raid that they tried to conduct. Go right, a couple of them. They were very mm-hmm. unsuccessful. Only mm-hmm. one one uh, one person was rescued out of the camp and he was shot they shot him in the head before they evacuated the camp uh, he made it back to uh, to Washington to Walter Reed Hospital and he died mm-hmm. uh, another one that was famous was was Nick Rowe now he wrote a book called Five Years to Freedom he's lucky he got out of South Vietnam uh, Floyd Thompson was was captured. He was the longest held POW in our history, even more than Alvarez. He was up there with us. Mm. He'd been captured, a special forces guy, nine years in captivity, and he, and he was brought to Hanoi with us. So, but you said the NVA were particularly brutal when they captured Army guys. Oh, yeah, the Army guys... Uh, a few of them survived. They, when they when a camp was overrun, the Vietnamese uh, massacred them, uh, tortured them, uh, hung them up, and uh, left them to die. So very few of the uh, army guys that were overrun actually survived and got to Hanoi. So uh, only about a hundred. Uh, Army guys got out there. Now, look, we had 495 pilots captured up there. Mm-hmm. So most of the POWs in the Vietnam War, the survivors, were Army, pilots. Navy, and Air Force uh, pilots. Nelson, when you got home from Vietnam, you told us about your Christmas. You told us about the Tet Offensive. What was the first thing you wanted to do? And I'm going to ask George and I'm going to ask Jack because uh, Mike, Mike and his guys had some funny stories that were recounted in a movie called Return with Honor. We'll talk about that briefly. And, folks, if you're enjoying the show, you can send me an email, mike at mikeboyle.com. You can send a text on the KNUS app. But when 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 you got off the plane stateside uh, back what was the first thing that you wanted to do did you want a pizza did you want to see your girlfriend what did you want to do Nelson all of the above <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh, I got off I had a uh, I had a wardrobe pretty with an SK-44 a bolt action rifle and I had that uh, was going over my shoulder with the, uh, the proper papers around the barrel so, you know, here I am with the, my khakis walking through JFK with us. But uh, it was not a good reception. And I think everybody can tell you that. Even if I didn't have the, uh, the rifle, it was not going to be a good reception. The students looked at me funny. I remember that. Uh, I mean, it just was like there was nobody saying, hey, guys, welcome home or anything like that. So, you know, right away you got off, you got off on a bad start. My brother, who uh, was uh, 
artillery uh, guy uh, met me at the airport, and uh, he took me home. And yeah, and that was the thing. I already wrote to my mother. I said, meet Paul from Spaghetti, a bottle of red wine. <laughs> That's all I got to say. You know? and, uh, and my girlfriend was there. She was there. And uh, so, you know, yeah, it was it's, it's very much, you know, it's like re-entering Earth from outer space. Uh, the first thing I noticed was that everybody had long sideburns. <laughs> it was kind of jarring. And also, there's so many colors. This is after living in a world with, you know, olive drab and uh, khaki. All of a sudden, uh, there's colors flash all over the place. Very disorienting. But, you know, big boy, I got used to. I said, I'm, I'm home, I'm home. This is, you know, and then, you know, I hear about post-traumatic stress, and you wonder, because once you're home, you're home. Mm -hmm. The stress is over there. Once you get home, you put it behind you, solidly put it behind you, and move on with your life. So. Well, and, it, well, and it's interesting because Mike, I know that uh, you know when you got off the plane in the Philippines in 1973 after your release, uh, they had the shrinks there and all of that type of stuff, and you basically said, "I want a pizza and a hot dog." You know, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, George, when you got back, um, what was the first thing? And boy, I'll tell you what, Nelson, walking through Kennedy Airport with a rifle, that w those were the good old days, you know. Um, now, you probably couldn't get away with that now. But uh, at any rate, George, what did you want to do when you got back? Well, I, I went through very similar. Nelson, you and I have a lot of uh, commonality, I think. I went through OCS also at Fort Benning. And, but when I came back, I landed at, at, I think, Travis. I had to get a cab down to San Francisco. And I was walking through the airport with an SKS uh, rifle. I mean, can you imagine that today? Walking, <laughs> and I remember going up to the counter, and, and no one really bothered me. I mean, I was in Class A uniforms. I walked up to the counter. I got a ticket, you know, to fly to, uh, I think, what is now JFK. And I remember the the guy at the counter, the ticket agent, saying, uh, do you want to put this in baggage or do you want to carry it on? I mean, <laughs> I just, I'm thinking today you're crazy that you would even be asked that. But I flew back and my brother met me at, uh, in New York at the airport. And I think what I, re and, and my wife, I, I got married a week before I went over uh, to Vietnam, a week before my port call. And my brother uh, and wife met me at the airport and drove me two and a half hours up to where we lived in New York. And all I remember is being terrified of the speed because we'd been walking for a year. I mean, literally walking for a year, <laughs> suddenly going 60, 70 miles an hour. I'm in the car. I'm, I'm back there trying to tell my brother to please slow down. And he wasn't even going 50, 55. <laughs> and then we got home, as, as, you know, you just kind of get, get into the flow of things. Um, I had no real uh, traumatic events after after I came home from uh, being there. And, and in fact, uh, it wasn't your question, but uh, of all the places I went in my life and all the jobs that I was so fortunate and lucky uh, to have, the best job I ever had was being a platoon leader. And that sounds a little odd, but I think about those guys uh, every day. I think about them, something we did, where we went, what we did. I just wound up, I lucked out to have that platoon with guys like, uh, Jack Billups and, and Dennis Rydgren, my platoon sergeant, and my my very good point man, who was crazy good in the jungle, uh, Ed Ed Mann from Northern California, and incidentally, uh, he has just finished his book about our platoon. So, uh, who knew 
uh, back then that I had two Hemingways in my platoon <laughs> writing books. Uh, and, and, Jack, and Jack, thanks for all the fine words, and uh, you, you said it just like I asked you to. You, you did good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Jack, so Jack Billups, you come home, and uh, I know that you had, and by the way, folks, you don't get to spend a lot of money when you're in some assignments. So the money stacks up. You got this money, and you thought maybe you wanted a car. Take the listeners to what went through your mind when you got back. Well, I lived in San Bernardino County, and yeah, I'd saved all the money. I sent it back to Dad, and he just put it in an account, so I had a little stash there, and uh, I didn't have a car. So my younger brother and I went down to East Street in San Bernardino and started roaming through the uh, used car lots. And I found me a, it was a 67 SS Chevelle Super Sport with a 396 and a four-speed. And oh, I'll tell, I'll tell you, I paid cash for it. And the next thing you know, I'm going down E Street. Of course, E Street was the hangout back then. Uh, looking for races. Well, I'd match up against GTOs and Mustangs and others. And, oh, man, it was good. It, it was real good. It was a lot of fun. So, But uh, one day my brother decided he wanted to show off, so he... He came to me. I was working at the gas station at the time, Chevron Gas Station on Yucaipa Boulevard. So he came over with his friend and said, hey, hey, can I take your car out for a drive? You know, I want to show it to my friend. So I said, yeah, Danny, but, uh, you know, take it easy, man. So anyway, he gets in the car with his friend, and uh, about 10 minutes later, he comes back in gas station with the, the front all chewed up and, and steam coming out of the, the front. So I, I went over there and stuff. I actually ran over there. What the heck did you do? Said, well, there were some girls passing by on the on the other side of the road, and uh, we looked at them. We had the music on, and we looked at them, and I turned around, and there was a car in front of me. <laughs> so, so all the all the money you saved <laughs> in Vietnam to get this beautiful car to impress the ladies. And your brother, bless his heart, wrecked it. (laughs) All right, we've got to take a break. I'm Mike Boyle, special Christmas edition of The Restaurant Show. If you'd like to send me an email, it's mike at mikeboyle.com. If you want to send a text, it's KNUS app. Uh, But uh, whether or not I get to them will be entirely determined by my interesting guest. We'll be right back on The Restaurant Show. Back to the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show Special Holiday Edition with special guest George Colclaw, Colonel Infantry, retired Nelson DeMille, author, platoon leader, first cab, Vietnam, Jack Billups, 11 Bravo, a grunt, the machine gunner, under the platoon guidance of George Colclaw, and I've got Mike McGrath, naval aviator, who's done this show with me for 30 years. George, don't I remember that you go out to high schools and uh, talk a little bit about the military service and the Vietnam experience? Don't I recall that? I do. I go to the local high school and I talk to 
the second semester juniors and when they hit their section on uh, Vietnam and in those times. Well, I'm going to tell you something, uh, and Nelson, I wouldn't be surprised if you did it, Jack. I know you get out and speak quite often. Mike, you um, were featured in a movie um, when the prisoners were being tortured so mercilessly in the Hanoi Hilton. Admiral Stockdale said, we are going to return with honor. And so the Air Force Academy class of 65, which lost more pilots shot down over Vietnam than any class in Air Force Academy history, decided that they would like to make a movie honoring the aviators that were prisoners of war. And so they wanted to make a movie called Return with Honor. Having a little trouble getting funded somewhere along the line. And this, for this reason, I will have a tremendous amount of respect for, for Tom Hanks forever. They got a hold of Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks obviously has some pretty good connections in Hollywood. And he was responsible for helping getting the funding and getting the movie made. Mike McGrath, talk about, I was privileged to be at the premiere of it. And I remember taking a date. And we were at a food reception. Then we moved across the street to the theater. And when the movie was over, I will tell you this, it's a powerful movie, George. My date could not stop bawling. Take the listeners through the movie, Mike, because it's very, very well done. Well, like you said, uh, the class of 65 at the Air Force Academy and the Alumni Association of the Air Force Academy uh, sponsored this movie. And what we did, we I was part of it, and, and I was involved with them because I live right down there. Uh, we took about 15 pilots, and they did personal interviews, and they did a good job. It was done by the American Film Foundation, uh, Terry, Terry Sanders and Frieda Mock, who are Academy Award recipients for their movie. Uh, uh, it was a, an earlier movie. So they were very professional, but they interviewed us all, put it together, and it, it became... It, it's, it's, it's a piece that's still appropriate for high school students. And, and you know what, today, Mike, and I want people to understand, too, in the movie, for example, it wasn't just sitting down with Mike McGrath in a chair. It was video, black and white video of Mike McGrath in his plane being shot out of the sky yeah. and being taken captive and other pilots being shot out of the sky, taken captive and being beaten with sticks as they were dragged through villages and stuff like that. And then bring it fast forward to today and had some of the wives, because like I said, you were in Hanoi for three years and Merlene didn't know if you were alive or dead. And so it's it's tremendously well done, George, Nelson, Jack. Um, it's called Return with Honor, and I guess you get it the same way you get six years in prisoner of war, six years in Hanoi. Um, yeah. Just Google it. Just go on Amazon. Right. But but it's a it was a wonderful movie. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that's that's basically it. It was a age appropriate movie for all ages, and especially mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the courage of the pilots and the and uh, and and what happened in North in North Vietnam. Uh, that, that's about all I can say. It's, it's a, it was a powerful movie. George, I know that you and your platoon have a periodic get-together. Um, Mike, you have an annual get-together with the prisoners of war that are still alive. Nelson, do you, I know that you said that, do you have some contact with your platoon? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. 
know, the internet and email. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we, we stayed, uh, a lot of my guys wound up down in Florida, and uh, many of them in the Fort Myers area. And I was just um, doing a uh, book signing down there. And uh, one of the guys from my platoon, and I was with my son, my 47-year-old son. We had co-authored the book together. And uh, so one of, one, of the, one of the riflemen in my platoon came to the book signing. And Jerry Fried, I'll give a shout out, a uh, good soldier. Uh, and uh, after we, I did the book signing, we, we sat around with my son and had a little chat. And he said, he said, your father was a good officer. That's what you want to hear. You know, he said this to my son. Mm-hmm. My, my, my heart, just, you know. And then he looked, at, he looked at me again and he said, he looked at my son and he said, he took a lot of risks. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's good or bad. <laughs> I, I said, you know what? I said, Jerry, all of us took risks. You just couldn't be there without taking a risk. Yeah. Now, my colleagues asked me after, well, what does that mean? A good office will be you took risks. I said, it's kind of complex. You got to have it. Yeah. So, yeah, right. we do get together. Now, now we get together informally. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, you know, we have the first. I was in the 1st Battalion, 8th Cavalry, and we have the battalion um, reunion every year. I've only been to one. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the, the ranks are thinning, as you guys all know. Is that, yeah. No. Uh, uh, so maybe the next one I will go to because we don't know how many more they're going to pay. Well, and I know that George and Jack, you said that, is that uh, every year you get together, there's a few less. And Mike McGrath, uh, you just had the 50th reunion of the POWs. And when you got out in 1973, Richard Nixon welcomed you to the White House. Um one of the few groups that has ever been invited to the Nixon White House. And when you had your 50th anniversary, where did you have that? We uh, went to the Nixon Library. San Clemente, California. Yeah, well, not San Clemente. I think it's Anaheim. It's right across from Disneyland. Oh, or or Yorba Linda. Yeah, Yeah, Yorba Linda. And uh, that was just this last May. Uh And the White House there, the museum, replicated the dinner that they had for us 50 years to the day at the White House. We had a 1,000 people for a sit-down dinner at the White House, all the POWs and their wives. That's 600 POWs plus wives. Uh, went to the White House for dinner in 1973. We had John Wayne and Sammy Davis Jr. and all the famous movie stars were there, and it was and it was wonderful. Well, here we are, 50 years later, in tuxedos and medals and miniature medals, and we had this, the replica dinner at the at the Nixon Library uh, in San Clemente this past May, and it was wonderful. And Mike, let's take let's talk about the wonderful dinner and tuxedos and all of that. How about when you landed in the Philippines and you've been released and all of the brass, all of the geniuses, all of the people said, we're going to feed these guys mush because your diet. Tell the listeners your diet in the Hanoi Hilton. Well, for six years, I had two bowls of rice a day. <laughs> one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then with whatever uh, things they could bring up, like uh, boiled turnips, boiled parsnips, boiled kohlrabi, boiled uh, pumpkin, or boiled weeds from the sewage settling ponds. When they ran out of food, you'd have a bowl of rice and a bowl of boiled sewage weeds, uh, which were very bitter. 
and that we all lost fifty to hundred pounds. We were very skinny. Had to get those uniforms and, uh, adjusted so, when so you anyway, got to the Philippines. So yeah. now you get you land us all in the Philippines, uh-huh. and uh, the psychologist and psychiatrist said, "Oh, you got to give them soft food. We don't upset their stomachs." Well, our guys about had a revolt. We said, get that stuff out of there. I want a greasy hamburger. I want a greasy <laughs> egg. I want 20 eggs. And I want ice cream. And if you have any beer, I'll take some beer. And, and the psychologists were upset. Oh, my God, they're normal. <laughs> so, so we did, you know. The soft pablum stuff for our stomachs didn't it didn't ever happen. That didn't that didn't resonate didn't so go well. well. I uh, I uh, I got a kick out of it. and you'll see this if you watch Return with Honor listeners and uh, Jack Nelson and uh, George. Um, one guy got out and he said, "I want a dozen eggs," and they cooked him up a dozen eggs and they said what else do you want and he said i want seven more and i'll never forget that because he didn't want six more he didn't want 10 more he wanted seven more apparently his egg eating capacity was 19 eggs yeah well we never saw an egg that's why we never saw ice cream we never saw anything yeah. except uh, rice Rice and boiled vegetables. Well, we, we, we're going to take our final break. And when we come back, by the way, um, I'm going to have Mike recite the speech that Jerry Denton gave, very short, very brief, when they landed on the tarmac in the Philippines. And, uh, Mike, you refer to that as the Gettysburg Address. But let's, let's go ahead and take our final break. And uh, when we come back, George, Nelson, Jack, I'd like for each of you to just recount your thoughts in the holiday season and how blessed we are because whatever shortcomings this country has, whatever warts we have, it's still a pretty darn good place. It's still the house on the the bright shining light on the hill. And so I think what I'd like to get you to do is each one of you to maybe just give a 30 second or a one minute, uh, just how much your military service and the things that you saw and experienced in Vietnam make you that much more appreciative. I think that that would be the way to wrap up this special edition of the restaurant show and to share it with our listeners. So anyway, we're going to take our final break and we'll be back with Mike, George, Nelson and Jack. I'm Mike Boyle. Special Christmas edition of the restaurant show. We'll be back to wrap it up. For the final segment of our special edition, holiday edition of the restaurant show, I'm your host, Mike Boyle, and uh, I thought I'd get a final thought. You know, I've traveled all over the world um, and uh, proud to be a veteran. I will tell you this. Ronald Reagan said democracy isn't perfect and freedom has its limitations. But I do know this. We've never had to build a wall to keep our people in. And uh, so I think that my four guests... Mike McGrath, naval aviator, George McGrath, uh, George Colclaw, um, army officer, colonel, retired infantry, Nelson DeMille, platoon leader in Vietnam, and Jack Billups, who served in the 1st Cav Infantry in Vietnam. I think that they would probably concur that for whatever our shortcomings here are in the United States, pretty good place. Nelson, why don't you uh, just take a second to wrap it up? All right. Um 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. But, you know, you remember when we all came back from Vietnam, that we were not really well received. And for years afterward, when Vietnam veterans saw each other, they would say, uh, welcome home. One time so a woman asked me, well, what do you say that? I said, you know, because nobody else ever said it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of our mantra. You see the other veterans. But over the years, things have changed. And now it's thank you for your service, which I think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. even with the young people, my 17-year-old, they, uh, they, they celebrate Veterans Day at school. So I think, you know, the pendulum has swung. Obviously, if you live long enough, you see all kinds of good things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now that Christmas is here, you know, I, I have a photo of me in Vietnam that I put out every Christmas. It's me and Santa Claus with the 45 strapped to his waist. And we're in a bong song area, which is white sand. It looks like snow. So everybody says to me, there's there snow in Vietnam with another white sand. And I put that out so everybody who comes over to the house you know, can see it. And I don't comment on what somebody asks. So anyway, um, my final, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you so much. Jack, Jack Billups, a final word, please. Well, Vietnam changed my perspective in life as a 19-year-old. I came back and uh, everything had changed. So I am grateful. I am extremely grateful. The glass is half full in my life. And I see nothing but blessings around me. So all I can say is I am grateful to be in this country. I love the United States of America. And I love my brothers and sisters. And as far as uh, our reception coming home, things have changed. Yes, it was it was sort of raw back then when uh, there was no reception at all except from your family. Uh, but now, if anybody knows you're a veteran, especially a Vietnam veteran, they thank you for your service. And you know, I had a funny moment when one guy came up to me and he said, uh, "Thank you for your service." I, I had people recognize me from the book and, and speaking engagements. Uh, he said, "Thank you for your service," and I go, "My pleasure," which caused him to crack up a yeah, little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. Jack, thank you so much. We I got to get George in. I got to get Mike's uh, Gettysburg address in. We're running out of time. George Colclaw, a final a final uh, word, if you would. Thanks, buddy, for having me on. Your listeners that don't know, Mike and I, as he said before, were in basic AIT, and he tried twice to get with our platoon in Vietnam, but we couldn't get him away from his finance assignments. Uh, Mike and uh, Nelson, it's been a great listen to your story. And I'm going to go out book shopping this afternoon. And uh, Mike, I just I just love listening to your stories. I just can't imagine going through that. So that's it, guys. Uh, great attitude here about everything. Uh, I've been lucky. I think we've been lucky. Merry Christmas. All right. And Mike McGrath, when you got out, you're standing on the tarmac, and Jerry Denton, who went on to be a senator from Alabama, was chosen to speak. Yeah, this kind of sums it up. Uh, Jerry Denton, the second guy shot down. He was uh, the guy that blinked out torture that you've all seen on the television. Brave guy, but he spoke. He stepped off with Everett Alvarez out of the plane. First time in eight years as a POW. And uh, Admiral Geiler says, Jerry, do you have something you'd like to say to America? And he said, well, thank you, Admiral. He said, yeah, I would like to say a few words. He said, we are thankful to the president and our nation for this day. We are proud to have had the opportunity to serve our country in difficult times. God bless America. I mean, everybody was transfixed. Three lines, kind of like the Gettysburg Address, written on the back of an envelope. 
It expressed the feeling of every POW that we're proud to have served our country. Listeners, that's going to wrap up this special edition. I cannot thank Mike McGrath, George Colclaw, Nelson DeMille, Jack Billups, enough for sharing these thoughts and these times with us. And I'll tell you what, I'm, just, I'm, I'm humbled to be sitting here with these four gentlemen. And uh, I, I will say this, just like Nelson said, I wish you nothing but a merry, merry Christmas. Yeah, on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show, we keep Christ in Christmas. We say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this special edition of The Restaurant Show. Put my ass in a lawn chair, toes in a clay. Not a worry in a world of PBR on the way. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.